0: please check out Unfound's merchandise store at unfound-podcast.myspreadshop.com. On this episode, I of course have a lot to say about the Long Island serial killer. I provide insight on Carly Russell. I comment on the now hot topic of sex trafficking. And I cover a bunch of other stuff, including how I may just sing on this podcast someday. I'm at Denzel, and this is Unfound Live for July 17th, 2023. All right, now that my mic isn't unmuted, is finally unmuted. All right, I got to get used to some of this stuff going on here. How is everybody doing tonight? As you may be seeing in the um chat already, we are doing, it's new, uh, we're using StreamYard. We'll see how this goes tonight. I... um. You know, hope we don't have any technical difficulties or anything like that. I just want to uh, tell moderator uh, Sheree that uh, remember, we if Sheree, if you need to pass along anything to me uh, in the studio here, you can use that private chat button, and it'll let me know uh, that you know you're saying something to me. I I did send you a message just uh, just in case. So you know that that is there if there's something um, that you got there. There you go. Okay, got it. All right. Very good, Cherie. Very good. Thank you. All right. This is a live show for July 17th, 2023. And uh, this is something uh, that probably should have happened uh, a while ago uh, in an effort to reach as many people as possible that we are using this application this program called Streamyard, which i'm now learning uh learning is is used by a lot of people and this is something that sheree moderator sheree who's in here tonight thank you for moderating sheree this is something that she told me that i should have done a few months ago and uh kind of slipped through the cracks dare i say um but uh, then we had a meeting a couple weeks ago and she reminded me again and I was like, yep, I got to put that to the top of the list. So here we are on July 17th, 2023. You can now all say you were there when I had started using StreamYard for the live show. Of course, first we were on Facebook um, by itself and then from, I don't know, maybe beginning of 2019 until last week where we were on YouTube all by itself. And now we're on YouTube and Facebook together. Now you may be saying, well, Ed, last week, didn't you say you're going to be on Twitter and everything? Uh, unfortunately, um, to be on Twitter, uh, I have to up the kind of account I have with Streamyard, and really at this point, it's just not worth it. Uh, at this point, uh, the way it's set up now, I, I can have three destinations for this live show. And those are YouTube, the Facebook discussion group and the Facebook page. Um, and I, I think those are the most important, but you know, we'll see, you know how it goes. Um, and, and then, of course, if I go to the next higher plan, of course, it's more expensive. Um, then I'll be able to able to add in more destinations. I suppose Twitter. I've read that StreamYard's eventually going to be going to Instagram. I don't know, TikTok. And even, I suppose, we could set up something to go to the website. I could even send something, this live show, playing on my own personal page on Facebook. But for now, we're on YouTube. We're going right into the discussion group. And we're going right to the Facebook page. And if all of you are in those spots, uh, the group and the page, then you know you saw this announcement come up today. And you might have said, well, that looks a little different than uh, the way it usually sets it up. And you're right. Uh, StreamYard does that automatically once I type everything into. so. All of you should know I'm not on YouTube or Facebook right now at all. I'm actually in the StreamYard website in my account broadcasting from there. And what happens is the chat that's over on the right side of the screen, just like if, as you would see it, for example, on YouTube, it's right there. But it tells me if somebody's watching on Facebook, if somebody's watching on YouTube or wherever. And so the whole thing is a little bit different, but kind of the same. But really, the setting everything up is kind of very similar when I was just doing it on YouTube all by itself. So uh, I'm hoping it's going to work out well. Uh, I hope that after the show's done tonight, that uh, many of you will send me any comments, concerns, things you noticed. If there were any technological hiccups or anything like that, I, of course, would like to hear about those things, just understand if it's an internet thing, I'm not sure what I can do about it. But if there is a usage thing, something that doesn't quite seem you know, right to you or something, please email me at unfoundpodcast at gmail.com, and I'll see what I can do. We'll try to analyze it together. For example, if you can't hear me, if you can't see me, if you're having a problem in the chat or wherever else um, – you know, uh, you know, please let me know about it. And I think all of you who've gotten to know me decently well, you know, I respond to messages really, really quickly. I love talking to all of you. you, send me messages, whether it's something about an episode or suggestions or concerns or everything. I usually get back to you pretty fast. So in this situation, I would do the same. So let's see who is in here. Uh, and of course, also I'll get to the overlay here in a moment. Um, who do we have in here? Charles, nephew, Charles, what's going on? I'm going to Pennsylvania on Wednesday, Charles, for two weeks. I hope to see your mother there. Um, and there's Sheree, uh, right there talking a little bit. And, um, Charles is saying most of his friends use StreamYard. Okay. Paula, what's going on, Mary B? Good to see you, Charlotte, Karen. Um, Marty, good to see you. Mark and Nitty, seeing a lot of similar name, uh familiar names. Mary, Glenn, the real Lisa, got a Facebook user. And and once again, you are not under no obligation to use your real names. If you have usernames or whatever else, totally fine by us. uh but uh, of course, on the other hand, there's a reason that we have a moderator for the show because if things get out of hand, Cherie uh, can bring the hammer down. But if you want to use Fake usernames and everything, fine. It's fine. Whether you're on Facebook or at YouTube, does not matter. Just keep it nice. Uh, there you we can see uh, you hear, yeah. Um Marty love the graphics. Connie with a K, love that. Um Stacy, good to see all of you. You um Tree's logged in, I guess, under other account too. I'm um, watching Facebook user, Facebook, a lot of Facebook users. Excellent. Just coming in anonymously. Totally fine. All right. Uh, as far as the overlay goes, anybody watching this, of course, maybe if you're watching on Facebook, the overlay for tonight is not going to make a lot of sense because you're looking at that area and saying maybe there Well, There's no button over there. These overlays are something that I'm going to experiment with. So bear with me as I work on them and try to figure out what works for me. Um but uh, for anybody that's watching of course on YouTube, then that that overlay then makes all the sense, of course in the world because that's pointing toward the subscribe button on YouTube. So um, if you're watching on the Facebook page and you're not a subscriber yet, go to the Facebook or go to the YouTube channel and subscribe. And if you're on YouTube and you're not a you know you have a Facebook account, and haven't liked or followed the page on Facebook, do that if you're not part of the discussion group on Facebook. It's a good time to think about doing that right now as well. So this there's a lot of crossover here, and uh, I'm just gonna have to figure out how to make the overlays. And what I mean by overlays is that little thing you see at the bottom. I can now make little graphics and things for whatever use, uh, and put them on the screen. there. something I could not do when I was using YouTube exclusively. I can do that here. It's one of the main reasons I think that Sheree said, you know what, Ed, you really got to you know, check out StreamYard. That and the ability to go to different places at the same time, broadcast to different places. So the, um, the overlays, these pictures that I put here uh, are going to be uh, a work in progress. And uh, I think I'm fairly artistic, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, hello, Deborah. all YouTube here. Hello, Barbara, Kathy, um, on Facebook, no access to this YouTube live chat. That's fine. Uh, everybody, uh, I think is getting to chat here, Kathy. Sorry. You had a problem getting in there, but everybody's chats are put together. No matter if you're on Facebook or YouTube, you're all chatting together wherever you are. Um, so I see you there, Kathy. So I hope that works out for you. All right. What do I have for you tonight? Well, as I was telling Sheree, um, you know, we don't, uh, of course, I have at least one, you know, big good thing to talk about that happened since last Monday, but, and then we have, uh, I have one kind of in the middle type of thing that I I need to talk about tonight. And then uh, unfortunately we have a couple bad things. Uh, all very, very big topics uh to cover tonight, and of course i'm go- I am going to talk about as it says in the description, going to be talking about the Long Island killer getting caught, presumably that's guy, of course, innocent until proven guilty, but I want to talk about that Carly Russell have to talk about that want to talk about sex trafficking, especially since I got into a conversation with a good friend of mine who um you know is not into really true crime or anything at all but Uh, We got into that discussion for a totally different reason. I'm going to talk about Jordan Carvalho. And, of course, big news today, of course, is the Michael Turney uh, trial. So I'm going to cover all of that in the next hour and 48 minutes. But just want to give you uh, some updates on a couple things that are going on with me. Just to remind all of you that on Wednesday uh, morning, I'll be flying to Pennsylvania To see my dad for two weeks, I'll be flying uh, there on Wednesday, then coming back the day after my birthday, August 2nd, I'm flying Southwest, I haven't flown Southwest, Uh, I haven't flown Southwest since I flew out for the first Steve Pankey trial, pretty sure, used to fly Southwest all the time. But I'll be going up there. Uh, going to be a very interesting time up there, and that's uh, something I'll get into. I'm going to be playing a disc golf tournament up there. My brother Michael, Charlie's, Charles's uncle Michael, is going to come up and uh, join me uh, at Moraine State Park. I'm really looking forward to that. He's never been with me when I've disc golfed before. So uh, that's going to be a first. Whereas my brother Brian, who lives here, has been gone with me to many disc golf tournaments and watched and hung out and and whatever else. So this will be the first time for Michael. And uh, so I'm really, really looking forward to that. That's July 29th. And uh, I'll get into the other big thing that's going to be going on when I'm up seeing my dad as well. Also, you can probably tell that uh, my voice is a, a lot, a lot, a lot better, man. Uh doing the live show last Monday did my voice no benefits at all. I had already hurt my voice earlier that day by singing without warming up, and then I did the live show Tough Course talking for two hours and i you know you could probably even tell it listening to last Friday's episode uh Paige Rankowski's episode. you could tell my voice was just not um. My voice was just not very good. I I mean, I really, really labored through the interview that was done the day before. I really labored through the recording of it. It was tough. And finally, my voice got a break on Friday. And really, I did not talk that much this weekend at all. And so today, my voice is feeling fantastic. I was able to do my singing exercises and everything. But man, that is the worst my voice um, maybe has ever been. And you can really tell in that episode. And I, you know, this is what I do voice uh, audio stuff. That's what I do. That's what podcasting is. And and the show must go on. So I I did the best I could with the voice that I had. And I'm sure well down the road, uh, years from now, when I go back and listen to that Paige Rinkowski episode, I'll be like, Oh, yeah, that was that time I really messed my voice up. I hope to never, ever, ever do that again. I just have to learn that if I'm going to be hanging out in my condo here and playing heavy metal and singing, I have to warm up these days. I just can't sing now. My voice has gotten more dynamic, and it needs to be warmed up. No different than like, like some sort of uh, runner in track and field or something because I really messed it up. See what everybody uh, is saying here. Uh, hello, Julian. Uh, of course, former guest Julian Quaterio from New York City. Julian, what's going on? We've got a listener from uh, uh, West Virginia in the chat. Excellent. In other words, I had to come to YouTube to access the live chat. Okay, that's fine, Kathy. Great. Um, good evening, DLV. Charles, I prefer Southwest. Okay. Yeah, all right. Uh Jay's and Maze, what's up? Uh Facebook, can you sing for us tonight? I'm not ready to do that. I promise you um Facebook user, whoever put that. I promise you within maybe the next 2 months I'll sing for you. I'll pick out a song and it it won't be an easy song. It'll be a fairly dynamic song within the next couple months I'll do that. Promise. Uh got a a viewer from Michigan. Um Mary said, "I watched. I watched the replay. Your voice was rough sounding. Do these warm-ups, do? You? Yeah, I got to do that, Mary. And then you're Sean now. Once again, another uh, former guest of Unfound. Good to, um, good to see you, Sean. I uh, hope you are doing well. What's up, Unfounders? Hello to you. And look at the little picture there. What's up, Unfounders? Look at that little, look at that little cutie right there in that picture. For what's up, Unfounders? That's great. From Jay's amazed. I love that. Okay." So, um, and you should know, uh, regarding my voice that one of the plans that I have is to, when I come back from Pennsylvania, I am going to start going, uh, to do some karaoke and some things and singing in front of people. Maybe I'll get some video. And what's convenient is the number one rated karaoke bar in the entire Tampa area is only about 15, not even 15 minutes away from where I live. So I'm certainly going to be checking that out. When I come back from Pennsylvania, I'm really looking forward to that. Okay, let's get started. I think I just – I think I have to go uh, with the big news. Uh, I I guess it's sad um, news today. And that is that Michael Turney uh, has been acquitted even before the trial got to – the uh, part where the defense uh, had to put up its side of the case. You should know there, you there's know, something in these kinds of trials where the prosecution goes first and the defense, before it even puts up its side of the case, can ask the judge, you know what? I really don't think the prosecution has made its case So um, do we even have to go any further with this? Do we really have to do that? That's essentially what happened today. And the judge said, you know what? I think you're right. And the judge just stopped the trial right then. Now, what is unclear to me? And I'm going to get into why this happened and everything. What is still unclear to me? Now, you should know there's a very... A friend of the uh, podcast, her name is Jill, uh, was keeping tabs on this, and she let me know when this happened. And uh, she is still looking into what does this mean. Um, does this mean that he's off scot-free for the rest of his life? He can't be retried or anything. Is And I had some other things to do before I came to the camera tonight. Nobody has given me a definitive answer yet. Okay, just so you know, I'm going to plate this a little bit. Nobody has given me a definitive answer. Of course, it is a huge tragedy if Michael Turney cannot be retried. And it's a huge tragedy. All right, but uh, but on the other hand... I don't know if I'm exactly surprised by this. I think if you were to go back um, to, you know, since the time that he was charged and taken into custody, if you go back to whenever that happened, it must have, you know, it seems like it's been a while now. It's like the beginning of COVID or something, 2020 maybe, 2021. It's been a while. So I've done a few update episodes since he was charged with Alyssa's murder. And I think if you go back and listen to those, you will see I had a lot of doubts. I had a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of doubts about this. Um, We can all certainly agree that Michael Turney is responsible for Alyssa's disappearance. But that doesn't necessarily make it a good case. It makes all the sense in the world that he did something to her. He sounds like a horrible guy. He's a kook. He's a wacko. Uh, you know, him getting her to sign a contract and, and, you know, and all these other things. And obviously, but still get into a court of law. Well, you know what? As they say in sports, you know what? The other guys get paid too. <laughs> you know, you start complaining about your sport team. Why can't my team score a touchdown? Why can't they do this you know we have to remember you know what the people on the other side of the ball they're professionals too. And so with a trial it's also the same thing. The defense gets its chance to make a, you know a, you know, a good case that the client their client is not guilty. And what is the biggest issue with these types of uh, disappearances or incidents or murders is that there's no body. In addition, dare I say, Alyssa kind of did fall into the demographic of a teenager who would run away from home all on her own. Now, some of you may say, yeah, and that made it even easier for Michael to do what he did because you could believe that she ran away. But when, you know, when really he actually killed her or something, I agree with you. But we have to realize that um, the reason that this happened is because Alyssa falls. It was just believable enough. And. Like I said, I've had um, had doubts about this. I just wondered if they jumped the gun too fast on this. Why that would be, you know, how could it be, quote-unquote, too fast after 20 years of Alyssa going missing? It's a good question, but I do start to wonder, um, you know, hey – We had Unfound. We covered Alyssa's disappearance back in 2018. Uh, Her sister was on. Of course, her sister did a fantastic job. But her sister also had her own podcast. Very, very popular podcast. Very happy how popular, how good she is at getting out uh, the word about Alyssa's disappearance. And, of course, uh, uh, the sister... You know, of course, has a point of view, in, and that is that Michael certainly caused uh, Alyssa's disappearance. It, but then I start thinking, being that this podcast was so popular and everything, I start to wonder, did the prosecution maybe start to feel the pressure on this? Alyssa's sister's out there. She's – um you know, she's getting a lot of attention. She's on a lot of national shows. She's on unfound and everything. And maybe the prosecution starts getting calls and emails. Hey, we keep seeing about why when are you gonna charge Michael Turning with Alyssa's disappearance or murder? It's all so obvious that he did it. Could that be a factor? I have I have no proof of that, one way or the other. I don't know. But it does come to mind. Given that podcasting is my business given that I know um, when we, you know, some of the disappearances that we've covered and suddenly I, I do get messages from people I've never heard before. Maybe they tune in for the first time and, you know, you start causing a little rumble somewhere. Well, dare I say, Alyssa's sister, she caused a big rumble and that's why she did it. And I applaud her. But... Could this have been a little, little bit of a double-edged sword, causing the prosecution to leap before it looked? This is something that um, that I think can happen. You know, prosecutions and prosecutors and district attorneys and police officers are people too. And if they were starting to get some crap or political pressure or or whatever else, um, because we have to remember something. My understanding, of course, I'm not an expert on Alyssa's disappearance. All right, please understand that. But we also have to realize not much has changed since Alyssa went missing. To me, there were no big facts that came to be in the many, many, many years regarding her disappearance. I realize they found out some things about Michael and uh, you know bomb plots and everything else, but about the disappearance itself, the way I understand it, for the most part, the facts are still the same in 2023 as the day you know right right around the time the list went missing. So, what changed? You know, what changed from then? And then suddenly in 2020 or something, um, they uh, decided to, you know, say, hey, we got to do this. I guess what I'm also saying is is it a coincidence that this podcast devoted to Alyssa's disappearance comes out and then suddenly the prosecution brings a case against Michael Turney? I don't think those two things are a coincidence, is what I'm saying. You know, I would have to say that they're probably, you know, once again, we talk about causation and correlation. Did one cause the other? Did the podcast cause the charging of Michael? I think that you're going to, I think I would have to say yes. And I know in my job, I just have to be objective about this. All right. I just have to be that way. All right. I'm not saying the podcast shouldn't have been done. It should have been. She's free to do whatever she wants in the you know, United States. And uh, This is the United States. You can start a broadcast anytime you want. But I ha- can't help but wonder, was this a side effect of that? And maybe pushing things uh, a little too far because I've had these conversations with guests before that things are so obvious. And we know what those disappearances are. Many, many other unfound disappearances, dare I say, where we know way, 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 way better what happened than certainly with Alyssa Turney's disappearance. I mean, I'm sure if that I went through all of Unfound's disappearances, I could probably pick out 50 that are more obvious as to what happened to those people, no matter if they're men, women, young or old, than with Alyssa. Now, it's still, I guess, to a lot of people, fairly obvious what happened to her, but given that we cover such a wide demographic of people and a wide demographic of different kind of disappearances, when you compare her disappearance to these others, hers doesn't look as obvious. It only looks very obvious what happened to her if you only look at her disappearance alone. But when you start comparing her disappearance to 300 other ones randomly picked, then it's not quite as obvious. And going along with what I said before, um, with a lot of these families that want justice and they wonder why the police won't charge them, even though there's no body and everything else, and I tell them get into court you just don't know what happens can happen once again I'm a realist I realize that there are certainly a lot of people who should be brought to trial even though no bodies have been found you know the the husband of Angela Green is always almost number one in my choices all the time why because he told all these stories that are crazy on the other hand I try to tell him you know yeah it's obvious but so I feel horrible, and I think I was not following it. Uh, a couple of my assistants were following it. This woman Jill, who's helped out uh, Unfound quite quite a bit over the years, has been following it. And you know, you get wrapped up in these things, and sometimes maybe you're not as objective as you should be. It was a shaky case. It was a shaky, shaky disappearance case. Although I can certainly understand all the people who think that Michael Turney did. I suppose if I was pressed, I'd even say that Michael Michael Turney is responsible. But there's some wiggle room in there, and obviously, it was enough. This, you know, this isn't like a, uh you know, this isn't a Steve Pankey situation, where I mean, if you're going to ask me. Yeah, I think it's more obvious that Michael Turney did something to uh, Alyssa than Steve Pankey did something to Joan no. Matthews. In fact, I don't even think it's close. Then how do we square that Steve Pankey goes to jail but Michael Turney doesn't? <laughs> it's hard to it's hard to figure. It's really really hard to figure, and um, it would be interesting to know. Uh, what the jury has to say about all this? Where, what, what, what way was the jury leaning? Of course, we know the defense had not put on its case yet, or whatever. But at that point, which way was the jury leaning? It would be interesting to know. It would be interesting. So, what's everybody? Uh, let me catch up uh, with. Um, there we got a, got a got a ton of comments tonight. Wow, I probably think it's uh due to us being on multiple platforms. Hello, Sean. Uh, Yeah, Mary says, yo, you better sing. Uh, I'd love to go to, used to go to love to go to karaoke. Well, you should go back. Keep going, Charlotte. Uh, Mary, you better sing for us. I need, uh, okay, I will. I promise, Mary. Uh, Thank you, Sean. Um, I I really, uh, I really appreciate you saying that, Sean. You're very kind. Thank you. That was like 14 minutes ago. I'm sorry, but I got a little roll. Hello, um, um, uh, yeah, Charlotte says it's terrible. Hey, there's Carrie Kelly Bruce. I can't pronounce her married last name. There, Brian Schaefer expert. Hello, Kelly. How are you? Um, yeah, Mary's saying it's awful about Michael Turney. Uh, a verdict was that he, uh, was the, the he was acquitted Marcus. That's the language they're using. It never got to the jury. um, uh, as you see, Cherise, uh kind of explaining it. Uh, feel so bad for the family members, Mary says. Um, what do you think happened to her? I, I Like I said, Charlotte, if you're really going to press me, I think um, that uh, that Michael harmed her. And in fact, I think I could even go as far as to say that he planned it. I mean, we really don't think that he goes and takes her out of school that half day and then she goes missing. And those are just coincidences, do we? But easy for me to talk. It's not, you know, it's not a courtroom. I'm not under oath. And um, the judge was the one that, that heard everything to that point. So, but like I said, I didn't, I didn't have a chance to follow the trial. Uh, Mary says, they feel they did jump the gun. I was surprised that they brought the case to trial because they didn't have any more evidence. I don't think, uh, there was no trial. My guess would be that this was dismissed without prejudice. So they get more evidence. Well, Jay's, it was kind of half a trial. The prosecution got to put on its side. And at the end of that side of it, the judge said, you know what? I really don't um think this is worth uh going for you know wasting any more anybody's more time anybody's time that's my those are my words I'm, the judge didn't say that that's me saying that uh twinkle that cannot be twinkle in the chat tonight twinkle how are you doing we've been thinking about you twinkle been thinking about you very very seriously twinkle spectacular to see you in the chat tonight it just warms my heart twinkle 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 uh, man it's so good to see you uh wow all right uh debra if there's prejudice uh they can bring them if there was uh, prejudice yep and what's up um, taylor hey y'all um yeah, Deborah absolutely must say without prejudice. I doubt he was exonerated just like that. The case wasn't dismissed. Dismissed would well have future charges, probably. Attorney was acquitted. That means he cannot be charged again. Dismissal versus acquittal. Oh, my goodness. Uh, uh, Mary says, Yeah, I always think of the Angela Green case. You don't have to apologize if you're late. Uh, yeah, Deborah, maybe different charges. Uh, thanks, Mary. Not to mention the prosecutor was a joke. Uh, yeah, you, uh, Carrie, I know you were following it. Like I said, it did not follow it, but you know, we have to ask. I, I guess what Carrie is saying there is maybe a different prosecutor would have done better. Okay. I right, mean, acquittal means he was found not guilty and cannot be retried if charges were just dismissed. He can be recharged, judge's discretion, state laws, and opinions. Um, Okay, Sri, Uh I've been good, uh, t- uh, Stitching. Uh, how have you been? I've been good. Good to see you. Good to see you in the chat coming to us on YouTube. Uh, okay, Charlotte agrees with me, Betty. Sure helped me to remember the live when I saw it on Facebook. Uh, we'll be doing it from now on. Marty, what's going on? Not surprised, still fairly upsetting. Um... Like the gong show. Hi, Twinkle. Twinkle's getting a lot of shout outs here. Um, glad to see Twinkle in the house. Jays equals joy. And okay, I, now I know that. I'll have to remember that. Lana, what's going on? Lana, by the way, is a great woman's name. Uh, I love the name L-A-N-A. Um, of course, I think Atlanta Turner. And um, isn't uh, Natalie Wood's sister's name, Lana Wood? Right. right. Um, uh, yep. He was acquitted. Uh, I can't even tell you how many times they screamed at the prosecutor. Okay, Carrie. So this is just, uh, you know, we don't, you know, it almost be better. I don't, you know, would any of us feel better, if the jury just said, you know what? prosecution, you didn't prove your case, the defense put on, and then he just said, you know what? Sorry, but would we feel any better? I don't know. It just feels, especially when, as we're talking about in here, it seems that, um, it seems that's it. There's no do-overs. You know, unless there can be something shown that, went against the law or something the defense did that was not right that's it i guess uh, as Sharia has been explaining in acquittal um it's it's uh the worst of all worlds you know it's it's just the worst of all worlds um you know if we're going to lose something like that, I guess. Once again, I whatever the situation, you just wish they just let it play out. That I think that I think that's whatever I think that I really believe that if it just played out the way it's supposed to go, the defense gets to put on its side of the case. It goes to the jury and jury says, you know what? We found him not guilty. Sorry about that. It'd still be horrible, but I don't think we would all feel like this. This just feels, um, you know, like something's been stolen or something. Uh, so shocking, I guess. But I've been talking about this for a couple years now. I just thought that it was dicey from the start, and when I start comparing. Alyssa's disappearance to many, many others. The all those others seem way more convincing, way more assured than Alyssa's disappearance did, and that is that's one of the main reasons I started to really doubt this, this path. I really started to doubt it, but you know. I'm not a long guy. Uh, Lana, what okay, case? So we were talking about Alyssa, uh, the, the disappearance of Alyssa Turney, Lana. Her stepfather was on trial for her disappearance, and before they even got to the defense, the judge acquitted Michael Turney because the prosecution hadn't uh, proved its case. This is a disappearance back from 2001. And... Uh, Alana says, on YouTube, uh, LaToya. Okay, LaToya from Harlem. Okay, Lana, very good. Um, you know, just talking on just bad. Yep. Uh, Twinkle says, sure, I've been missing my unfound peeps. Twinkle, we've been missing you. I want you to know that I'm looking right at the camera. I want you to know we've been missing you too. Okay, I want you to know that. I hope you are well. Uh, Mary says, I feel so bad for Sarah. So many times a prosecutor goes to trial with insufficient evidence as they overcharge with something they can't prove is injustice for the victims. Reminds me of the Emily Noble case, getting acquitted like that. It happens, and it's sad, but it's your justice system. Some awful people get away with it, but you know what? This community will never forget. Uh, Let them not forget. So he may be in prison, but he'll be in a different prison of his own making. All right. Uh, Twinkle's talking to Kathy. Uh, way too dicey, Carol. Defense cited Rule 20 and judge agreed, which is how acquittal will happen. Deborah, if he doesn't answer for his charges in this life, he will have to answer to a higher power when he dies. Uh, yeah. Um, if people have that police system, certainly so, Deborah. But of course, I think we're mainly worried about the material world here. And we just can't let these kinds of things happen. Like I said, I'm not even 100% that Michael caused Alyssa's disappearance. It just feels like it's uh, a little bit of a cop-out, a little bit of, you know, of, a, of, a, of a robbing that the, that the people, the jury, didn't get to have a say in this. That's what feels kind of empty to me. That's what, that's the thing that I think irks me. Um, Yeah, little star. Yeah, twinkle, twinkle, little star. That's funny. Uh, Montana. I had uh, a former roommate of mine in Las Vegas was from Montana, a Facebook user. Uh, Interestingly though, Montana is one of the states that I've never visited. Deborah says I'm about 98% that Michael Turney killed Alyssa. Okay, so that just happened today. Uh, That was not on the agenda. I knew the trial was going on. I had plans to at least talk about it tonight. Little did I know I would be talking about, uh, you know, this, um, you know, an acquittal the way this happened. So there you go. By the way, what I haven't brought up yet, if you are watching this video and have the ability to do so, I would sure like some likes and thumbs up. And however, whatever you can do on Facebook, we know on, on YouTube, you got to give the thumbs up and that's why the overlay, uh, is there. Um, so everybody can see thumbs up. It's right there on the screen. You can't say, I forgot. It's right there in front of you. And of course, for you, YouTube people, that subscribe button is pointing you to the subscribe down there in the bottom right hand corner. I know the Facebook people, that's not going to make any sense, but Please, if you are watching, thumbs up, give it a heart, give it a like. That's what we're doing here. Um, <clears throat> Marty says, I think everyone agrees he had something to do with it. I just think the case is fast forwarded to trial. And sometimes when that happens, you get an unfavorable outcome. <coughs> yeah, I, I guess what we're saying, Marty, though, and I agree with you. It's weird to think about a disappearance that's 20 years old that got fast-forwarded to trial. But for some reason, I think a lot of people feel that way. And, I, you know, because I've felt that way since the day that uh, Michael got charged. Even though the disappearance is 20 years old, it still felt like they were rushing, which is really weird. It's really weird. Uh, I don't know why. The fact they weren't able to find the tape of the day Alyssa disappeared was a huge red flag to me. Of course it would be, Marcus. Thank you. Mary says, it's a weird case, so much left in question. I don't like the trial outcome. I think he did it. But is he this smart to hide any other evidence? Mary, it doesn't even matter now. Because as I think we're we're saying as a group here, um, he can't be retried. So, all right, very sad. So let's move on to um, some other things. Another story is that Jordan Carvalho, this is a disappearance that Unfound covered, I think, a year and a half ago. This was a disappearance uh, that, that, um, you know, is interesting to me because I've been to Golden Valley, Arizona. I've been through there many times. That's right there near Kingman. I had a job uh, back in the day when I would drive down to Kingman, go to some offices there. Then take that highway that goes over to Bullhead City uh, and go right through Golden Valley, Arizona. And there's this this road there that is straight and flat, and you can just see miles and miles ahead. That's where Golden Valley, Arizona. If you look on a satellite view, you'll see what I'm talking about. That's what I always think about when I think of Golden Valley, Arizona. Well, unfortunately, Jordan Carvalho's remains have been found. They were found in a wash in the Golden Valley, Arizona area. Uh, they were actually found in September of 2022, so like nine months ago. And they were just identified, I guess, through DNA just within the last couple weeks. You might remember Jordan had some issues, drug issues, et cetera, And one day he walked off uh, with a backpack never to be seen again. And at some point during a search or something, uh, somebody came across his backpack out in the middle of the high desert outside of Gold, of Golden Valley. And now we know uh, that his remains have been found. I don't know. I'm considering it's the desert and it's been this long, I'm guessing it was just bones. So even if it were foul play, I don't know how they would ever prove it. Unless if they found a skull, there's a bullet hole or something or something like that. So uh, I think we might just have to be comfortable with the idea that uh, we may never know why Jordan Carvalho meant missing. I think a lot of people back at the time, giving he had some drug issues, other things going on, thought that he just walked off and died due, the, due to the elements or whatever. Um, but if that's not the situation, I really don't think – we're ever going to know. So once again, Jordan Carvalho, that was a disappearance that, uh, like I said, I think that was the beginning of 2022. Let me just check something here. Was it 2022? Or 2021. We're going back a ways now. Maybe I missed it. Stuka, Villarreal, and Uh January 7th, 2022. Thank you. January 7th, 2022. Very good. So like I said, a year and a half ago. And uh, the way I remember it, I think this is a fairly newer disappearance. So very sad. I have not tried to contact his mother, uh, who was the guest for that episode. Although I did speak to his grandmother as well; they live together there in Golden Valley. Um, so I haven't had a chance to reach out to her yet. I probably will. Um, but as I've, I as I always state with these things, I don't want to seem like uh, you know this happens and then I'm flying in, you know, to get more. It, it feels it makes me feel like a vulture or something. And and I'm not that. So, I just gotta give it some time, but I hope to talk to his mother about how you know all of this happened, and if i you know if I can talk about it publicly, I will do that. Let's see uh what everybody is uh saying um, Jill, what's going on uh big uh we were i was talking about you earlier being that you were giving me the info on Michael Turney. Um, yeah. Yeah, you mean besides me? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Carrying Jill, our friends, all right, thank you. I think I'm going to watch from YouTube to Facebook for the second half, see if there's any difference between the two. Mark, you do that, and let me know uh, which is better, and uh, that would be um, – Very interesting for me, Mark. That's very interesting. I I love that idea. And Marty says I may do the same. Thank you uh, for experimenting, people. Uh, CR, what's going on? Thanks for the show. What's going on, CR? So Jordan Carvalho, um, of course, a lot of these things. Of course, Alyssa's case, Uh, Jordan Carvalho. We have another update episode coming out at the end of August. I will talk about probably them in a lot more detail uh, when I get to that episode, and maybe there'll be some more um, revelations in both of those uh, situations before we get to the end of August. We'll just have to see. Uh, Marcus, how far was Rains from? I don't know. Uh, Marcus Carvalho, Jordan Carvalho, I don't know. The, all of the information is very general. I think the only way I'm going to find that out, Marcus, is talking to his mother, which I haven't done yet. I'll try to find that out. It's certainly on my mind. Uh, it's good of you to think of that question too, Marcus. Uh, Facebook has a much larger stream. It does, okay. Um, you can see more comments on YouTube, Carrie. All right, so a lot of people are going back and forth. Very, that's very interesting. Once again, give this video a heart on your phone, on your tablet. Give it the thumbs up if you're on YouTube. That would greatly help us. All right, let's move on to this. The Long Island serial killer. Now, before I get into this, I'm not an expert on this topic. I've certainly followed it, I've read the Wikipedia page, but I know some of you have been uh, fairly obsessed with this for very good reason. Uh, When you have so many women. Found in a very very small area, very concentrated area, and you know this is out in Long Island where you know rich people live and everything. It's not what you where you'd usually expect to find a lot of dead women buried in the dirt and sand out there, but that is exactly what happened, and this has been going on for quite a while, and. Little did we know, I guess, as the public, is that the police have still been working on this, and I guess been working on it pretty, pretty, uh, fairly hard. And I've also read that over the years, a lot of names have been brought up. Even a former chief of police has been suspected as maybe being uh, the killer. Well, now there is somebody in uh, custody, and his name is Rex Huerman. And he lived not far from Gilgo Beach, where most of these women were found. So I'm going to just read this article. And uh, even though, once again, I'm not an expert on all of this, like I said, I know many of you have fallen this for years and years and years. I, I kind of look at this from a different point of view, but... We're learning more about Rex Huerman, the man arrested Thursday night in connection to the Gilgo Beach murders. He was charged with three counts of first-degree murder and three counts of second-degree murder in connection to the deaths of Megan Waterman, Melissa Bartholomew, and Amber Costello, whose bodies were found in close proximity to one another in 2010, so 13 years ago. Huerman appeared before a judge Friday afternoon and pled not guilty. Investigators on Friday shuffled in and out of a building at 36th Street and 5th Avenue, we're sourced to say Horman worked. And just outside the building, we're learning a pizza box he left in the garbage was key to the case. Huerman grew up in Long Island and attended Burner High School. James Pagano, a massive Pequa Park, went to um, high school with Horman. I was like, holy crap, unbelievable. Right in our town, he said. He was very quiet, dark, kept himself. Extremely intelligent, very smart. Herman worked in Midtown as an architect who ran a company called RH consultants and associates YouTube Antoine Amira, who runs a page called Bonjour Realty interviewed Herman about his work about a year ago. And I posted that in the group and on the page on Facebook. I watched the entire video and I will talk a little bit about that in a bit. um, what has this job taught you about yourself, Amira asked. I think it's taught me more about how to understand people, Huerman said in the video. CBS News New York spoke to Amira on Friday after Huerman's arrest. Really, what stood out is his attention to details, Amira said. He is very knowledgeable, very detail oriented. Amira added. Huherman had a distinct physical presence, intimidating, no, imposing, yes, very and very imposing. He's a head above me, very large person. I still remember his handshake when we met. Very strong, very strong handshake. It's like you were shaking a very big piece of marble. That's how strong his hand was. Amira added, the human nature is fascinating because you never know who you have in front of you. It's very unsettling at the same time, but also fascinating. CBS New York watched investigators carry at least four computers out of the building. Where human worked and court records reveal investigators found a key piece of evidence just outside of Hurman's office back in January, detectives say he threw away a pizza box. And then investigators ordered a DNA swab of the leftover crust. People say, that, uh, police say they confirmed just last week that the DNA matched a hair found on a burlap-type style material that was used to tie up one of the victims, Megan Waterman. People who work on the other floors of the office building say they never saw Hurman, but they're stunned by the news. It's a little scary... That he was two floors above me, right on the ninth floor. No one had any idea, obviously. That's really scary. It went on far too long, which is also horrifying. I'm just in shock to find out he worked in my building. I couldn't have been. I could have been in the elevator with him, somebody else said. Investigators say he also used burner phones to contact sex workers between 2021 and 2023. Photos show him in a cell phone store in Midtown in May, where police say he added minutes to one of his burner phones. We're also learning more about humans' finances. Nassau County records show he owed more than $425,000 in taxes he failed to pay. He also filed several lawsuits accusing drivers of hurting him in car accidents. Three of those cases were settled or discontinued. And so I also want to read this, what it said in Wikipedia. On July 13th, 2023, a 59-year-old Nassau County resident was arrested in Midtown Manhattan and subsequently charged with three counts of first-degree murder, as well as three counts of lesser charge of second-degree murder. Uh, the suspect is an architect and has lived much of his life in Massapequa Park on Long Island. According to an interview he did with YouTuber, he has worked in Manhattan since 1987. Authorities began to seriously consider him a suspect in March 2022. After discovering that a Chevrolet avalanche registered in his name had been linked to one of the killings by a witness. Further investigation of his cell phone records indicated that he had been in contact with three of the four victims. Through June 2023, an email account linked to the suspect had conducted online searches of the investigation's progress. Court records also indicated that he had searched the internet for sadistic materials, child pornography, and images of the victims and their relatives. Um, that's interesting. What just happened there, Sheree? Uh, are you messing around with that, Sheree, or am I messing around with that? Let me uh, go to solo layout there, Sheree. Are you messing around with the video or am I messing around with the video? Um, Through June 2023, an email account linked to the suspect to conduct an online search as of the investigation's progress. Court records also indicated that he had searched the internet. Okay, I read that. Uh, Hair believed to be from his sus- the suspect's wife, who was out of state during the murders, was found on or near the victims and was matched using DNA testing. DNA taken from a pizza box, discarded by the suspect, was also used in his identification. <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry. Uh, she says my cat walked across the keyboard. <laughs> That's funny. Ah, uh, that's funny. All right, so let's see what uh, everybody's saying here. Um, Not all of us are rich, Marty says. I know a lot of Shannon Gilbert's case because of disappeared, Not, but not much about the other murders on Gilgo Beach. For now, he's the Gilgo Beach serial killer. The police aren't sure if Rex is responsible for the other murders. I've read books about the Long Island killer, have studied him. They are sure he is the Gilgo killer. They are in the process of tying to more deaths to him. Thank you for uh, that, Marty. Uh, and, and not to give too much away, but Marty lives in the general area of where this all went down. Uh, J- uh, this is right in my backyard. Uh, this is Julian Quaterio, everyone, by the way, former guest. I live less than 30 minutes from all this, so we're all relieved they may have, they may have the perpetrator of these crimes. signar to another serial killer, hopefully. hopefully. Um, uh, Mark says, back to YouTube. Chat is much more inclusive of comments on YouTube. Okay. Charlotte says the guy's really tall. Uh, Marty says what's really scary is this guy lives two blocks from him, so Marty's reeling re- 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 where he lives. Carrie, okay, I hope people don't think houses think house is a marker. I've been gone from home more than home for the last three weeks. Um Marty, he had a really nice vintage truck in his driveway. My dad wanted to buy it, but he refused. Just an odd guy all around. Wow, Marty. So you have had him some interaction. Um, just pictures of the relatives. That's creepy. Yeah, everybody's saying something. Okay. And then I have... Here's what sticks out to me. Just getting right to this because I want to cover some other things. You know, what? what's come out about this? You, you know, what's always interesting to me about this is when something like this is resolved... All of a sudden, all the profilers start coming out of the woodwork. Well, we had this one right. See, you know, we profilers were really close on description of the man who was uh, in custody for being uh, responsible for those women murdered out who were found out in Long Island. Yeah, I've talked about this before. I think profiling. I really don't know how much of a science. It really is, to be honest with you. I mean, seriously, is any, uh, you know, as a white guy myself, is anybody really surprised he's a white guy? I, I you know, I, I, most serial killers are white men. Is anybody really surprised that he lived in the area? Is anybody really surprised that he was educated? Is anybody really surprised that he was into child pornography or in whatever else? You don't need to have some sort of advanced degree in psychology, sociology, and all of that to be able to guess these things. Uh, you know, the problem I have with profiling is that it's all hindsight 2020. These people cannot pick out who did it. They have no ability to do that. They cannot predict who you know something that's going to happen in the future. And when it, and when crimes are unsolved for as long as these have been, they're no help in tracking anybody down. <laughs> you know, uh, we have to remember what got Rex caught, Rex got Rex caught if he did it. DNA, you know, and and witnesses, and all these other things. It's not like profilers, you know, can sit there and say, you know, get so specific as it, okay, it is this guy on this street at this address. If they could, that would be fantastic. It's like a pseudoscience. And I realized there's a TV show, The Profiler. All of these profilers who've done all these TV shows and written all these books and And get all this fame in it. None of them caught anybody. Zero. Don't get me wrong. I understand why people find what they have to say interesting. I can understand, unfortunately, you know, unfortunately, people kind of think it's fun to read what these people have to say. Uh, It's certainly what, you know, these profilers and when they go on TV shows They certainly ought to get a lot of, uh, you know, conversation going, but they're not stopping any crimes. They're not getting anybody caught. You know, it's Rex Herman was not caught due to profiling. But if you go out there, there's so many articles now written about how these profilers got him right. Well, if they were so right, maybe he should have been caught back in like 2010. It drives, it drives me nuts. It really, really drives me nuts. I know many of you take a deep interest in this. But for me, I have to, you know, what I what? have I said before? I'm for everything that works. I'm not for anything that doesn't work. Profiling doesn't work. Doesn't It doesn't catch anybody. It does not catch anybody. They've been profiling the Zodiac killer for 50 years. Guess what? Never caught. So this, but they, it just seems, you know, um, these profilers to me seem to be opportunists. You know, as soon as something like this is breaking, suddenly they're just popping up in the news everywhere, you know, you know, uh, extolling the virtues of profiling. They had nothing to do with this. Nothing. Um, so that's my uh, profiling rant that I get to have, I guess, once a year on this live show. I, I just think it's a pseudoscience. And I, I'm i not saying any of this would be better, but certainly um, if all profilers went away today, I don't think solving crimes would be get any more difficult. I think that uh, they don't help. I don't know if they necessarily hurt, but it's like a net zero type of thing. They get way more attention for what they do than what they've actually added to solving crimes, in my opinion. Um... Uh, Charlotte says, no, he's a big guy, and I'm six feet myself, but he's a big guy. Yeah, not shocked. No, it's a confirmation bias. What about all the profilers that were wrong? I think a lot of people thought he was law enforcement. Yeah, uh, that, that is true, uh, Marty, that, that of course, you live in the area. You know, you we know about this, that one police chief or whatever, everybody pointing the finger at him. Deborah, he's a big guy now at almost 60. Imagine 15 years ago. Yeah, um, right. Charlotte, it seemed that the police... We're not really even trying to find him till last year. I really thought it was former LLAA enforcement myself. Okay, Carrie, uh, Marcus, I disagree to extend profiling as a tool to narrow down a suspect pool. I guess the issue, Marcus, is that, as I stated before, is anybody really surprised that the killer was a white guy? I'm not. Is anybody really surprised that he lived in the area? No. But it certainly may. So it very well may be that a profiler could narrow out all of the non-white men outside of the Gilgo Beach area. But how many white guys live in that area? I mean, thousands. That's. Um, I'm not here. To, you know, I'm not here to argue with you or anything. But that doesn't sound like much narrowing down. If a profiler can narrow down the possibility of suspects to three, I would say that's pretty dang good, but I don't think any profiler can do that. I don't even think a profiler can narrow it down to a hundred. So what can, you know, what can narrow it down to, you know, video and DNA and everything else? That's just the way I look at it. Profiling is really hammed up in the movies. It is the real coming to us from Australia. I, I agree with that. Even with the profile, there's a solve rate for violent crimes is terribly low. anyway. Yeah, uh, you know, it's uh, – I think, Mark, maybe uh, uh, some months ago I was um, talking about that. You know, with all these new things we have, social media and GPS and, and the video cameras and everything else, the closer rate for murder in the United States is as low as it's ever been. Which, it, that doesn't make any sense, does it? But that's a fact. Uh, part of the problem with his not getting caught was that some of the victims were so secretive about who they were seeing. Uh, profiling is a little bit like inverse psychics. They take what we all know and expand upon the facts and make guesses based on what we know and come up with a prediction from that. Yeah, don't even get me, uh, Julian, don't even get me started about psychics. True Crime Spotlight, how are you? So that is my little rant on, um, on uh, profiling. Now, as far as that YouTube video, if you watched it, no doubt that he's a weird guy. Um, And and dare I say, I think what we now know about him a year later, now that he's been caught in his finances and everything are starting to come out, he was obviously exaggerating the entire way through that video um certainly seemed to be very high on himself, stuck on himself uh certainly came across as uh you know being the smartest guy you know nobody else knows anything about this, and me I come in and I take care of things that's what the entire video is, and it very well may be the truth i don't know anything about building engineering or architecture in New York City or, you know, examining buildings. And I know nothing about it, but he did seem to be very, very boastful and arrogant. And maybe that shouldn't, given that we suspect we know what he did, maybe that shouldn't surprise us. Of course, the, the, the opposite is also true. There are a lot of men and women who act exactly like Rex did in that video who have never killed anybody. So you can't even use that uh, as a, uh, as a, like a, you know, getting back to profiling. You can't even use that as a profiling marker because there are a lot of people who act, act like Rex who probably have never killed anybody. But he's weird, weird guy. Um, I, I You know, I have to admit if I was in New York city and needed an architect, an architect or whatever else, the kind of business that Rex is in. After watching that video, I would surely have crossed him off my list of ever hiring him for anything. I don't think he did himself any favors if he was doing that video, you know, for marketing reasons or whatever else. I don't think he helped himself. And I realize also that there are people who really diced that video up and some of the things he said about a crowbar and the persuader and all this—that certainly caught a lot of people's attention, especially given what uh, everybody now thinks that he did to all of those women. So you should watch that video, and uh, this—the video was just done like a year ago. So as you're watching it, just remember you're watching a guy who just last week was charged with the murder of several women, and outside of the weirdness and everything. You kind of look at him and say, you know what? Kind of looks just like any white guy that might cross, you know, pass on the street, except for him being like a huge guy. Other than that, seems just like an average white guy out there. And that's, you know, that may be one of the reasons that uh, they didn't charge you with anything, you know, until now. Very well could be. And it very well also may be why these women, who, if we're to believe that he's the killer, went to meet him. That now, granted, I don't know. I have to be honest, I don't know how discerning these women are. I think that they just show up and do whatever they're going to do and get paid whatever they're going to pay, no matter what kind of guy it is. But also, on the other hand, I could also think maybe a guy pulling up in a, in a, what was it? An an avalanche, Colorado avalanche pulling up like that. If he was wearing a suit, you can see how they might let down their guards after a while. Maybe not in the first couple minutes, but maybe after 10 minutes, after 15 minutes, after 20 minutes. And then that puts him in a situation where he could have killed them. Not to mention that he's a big fella. And my understanding is these, most of these women were very tiny, like Five, four, eleven, five feet tall, five foot two. So they w- would be at a severe disadvantage. You know, he probably lulled them into a false census of security and then did what he did. And my guess is everything of him put together is why he was able to get away with it so long. And even though these other women probably knew that something was going on, hey, somebody's making uh, women in my business what I do disappear. None of them really thought it was this guy. Very well could be. Uh, I think Shannon was murdered, Charlotte said. Uh, that's how he got away with it for so long. Okay, thank you, Facebook. That that whole Shannon case was not handled properly. Marty, Shannon's case brought down everything. I think that's because she almost got away from him. Something went wrong with her. Murder maybe got comfortable and messed up. Could be. Uh, Let me uh, see here. Twinkle, so far, he appears to be pretty prototypical. Yep. Charlotte says, it really makes you wonder about everyone. It does. Marty says, I think a major problem finding out who did the Gilgo killings was the terrain. The terrain was awful. You can't move in the woods by the beach. It's not like regular woods. It's unbelievably thick. The fact they found any of those bodies at all is shocking to me. Once again, Marty lives in the area, right? Marty had some of it. Because no one knew what they were going to see. Check check out a bunch of cases out. If Tennessee, my channel. Um, we don't. Unfortunately, uh, this is not the place to market your own uh, work there. True Crime Spotlight. Um, hello, Facebook user. Hey, I hope you're, Ed, you're doing well. Thank you. Yeah, uh Shri, just keep a you know. We don't any people making comments, but this is uh the chat section is not a place to market your own show and what you're doing. That's not, you know, you go start your own show. Go with God, but you can't do it here. Um uh, Twinkle says, I agree about profiling the profilers. Um, yeah, true crime, you can't do that. Please, please uh Marketing of other people's stuff is not permitted in this chat. This is you want to talk amongst yourselves about things, but no marketing of TV shows and other podcasts and everything, please. Um, Twinkle, I agree about profiling the profilers. Okay, Twinkle. Twinkle, you're coming in strong tonight. You must have been saving up. You've been resting, and it's so good. I'm just gonna say it again, Twinkle. So good to see you in the chat tonight. I just want you to really, really, really know that. So, um, what's still unclear to me regarding, um, I don't know why Jay's maze, uh, Shree, why did Jay's amaze get banned? Don't ban Jay's amaze. Uh, Julian, if you're still watching out there, I don't know why you got, uh, um, see if you can fix that, Shri. um. As far what's still unclear to me um, is that apology accepted true crime. No problem. Um, it's still unclear to me what led them to him. it. You know, what, what is weird to me is they're talking about a bunch of evidence that seems was available back in 2010. The, the Colorado avalanche, the phone stuff and everything. I'm just wondering why it became something now. If they had collect that information back then, because remember, you know, as far as looking at this timeline, it seems he very well may have killed other women in the meantime. But it's hard for me to understand that what led then that led everybody to him after all these years, when they keep talking about evidence that seemingly has been available for a long time. Did somebody drop the ball back then? Did a set of new eyes look at it? I I, I just, you know, it's hard for me to determine. But as I have written here, um, you know, the DNA giveth and the DA, DNA, um, you know, taketh uh, away. And that is, um, you know, there are no new facts regarding the murders in at least these last few years. All this information that's being talked about is from... Years ago, uh, you know, like, for example, the phone contacts with three of them, the Colorado avalanche connected, you know, connected to one of them. But the idea that I get is, you know, were they waiting for the DNA to catch up? They must have had DNA uh, on this guy. And, of course, they collected DNA just recently as well off that pizza box. You know, did they get DNA at the time, and did the science all finally catch up? Something, and this is, you know, this is one of those things where, how long are you going to wait for the DNA science to catch up with the with the DNA sample that you have? And what I would be concerned about is that if they had this information about Rex Truman back in 2010 or whenever it was regarding the phone information regarding the Colorado avalanche, and then they had to wait all of this time for the DNA to be processed or the science to catch up, are they not then risking that more women will get killed in the meantime, even though they have a pretty good idea who did this? Because it would seem to me that the phone information would be would have been available back then. And so what are the odds that more than one guy is talking to all of these women who eventually were murdered. It seems, you know, talk about profiling, that's the kind of profiling that I'm interested in. Was there one guy who spoke to all of these women before they got murdered? It seems that Rex Herman was that guy. Why didn't they go get him back then? Is that not good enough? And if they're saying, well, we really, 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 really wanted to be sure and we have DNA and everything else, what? how far are you willing to risk it That in the meantime, you're waiting for science, which you're really not, you know, you're not the scientist, you know, the scientist out there trying to figure this stuff out. You're a police officer, investigator. You're not working. You know, you're not a chemist or anything. You know, you're just waiting around, hoping, you know, fingers crossed that the DNA science will catch up. And Rex Herman's out there possibly killing other women. because uh, I did uh you know did as good a search I could do. It doesn't seem that Rex Herman was on anybody's radar until like last year. you know all of these other people who have been named over the years chief of police and and these other names that once again you can find on Wikipedia other places rex name Rex's name is nowhere, but it seems the way I read the information now in July of 2023 is that it seems they kind of did know about him for quite a long time. Hopefully, eventually, this will all be a lot clearer. It's just, you know, I start, this is the kind of thing that worries me about uh, being so attached to DNA. That, you know, Murders did used to be solved without DNA. (laughs) In fact, DNA, you know, up until about 1995, a lot of murders were solved without DNA. It's only been within the last almost 30 years that it's become a, a major part of investigation. You don't need to wait for the DNA science to catch up if you have proof that this guy's truck was around one of the murdered women. You don't need DNA. If you can prove that this guy spoke to three of those women right before he was murdered. And then you can start looking. Oh, guess what? He lives a couple blocks away. Oh, this. Oh, that. So that's why I say the DNA giveth and the DNA taketh. I'm just hoping we don't find out that the police have known about this guy for like 10 years. And in the meantime, he actually killed other people. That would be horrible. You know, we talk about Michael Turney you know, getting away seemingly with a list attorney's murder. It very well may be that Rex Hurman murdered a couple women um even after the police already suspected him for all these other murders. I think that's very possible. You know, and that is not good. So let me um The phones, for one thing, Twinkle coming back with fire. She is coming back with fire, Marty. The major thing was this vehicle was seen at one of his victims' houses when he picked her up. Like I said, Charlotte, this seems to be something that was known back in 2010 or whatever. Would that not have been enough? Why why did they wait then until 2023 to go get him? I don't know. Uh, they solve it the past year. They must have. They must not have cared about the women. I don't know. Coffee Ed, I think so. Hey, what's going on, Coffee? Only took the new investigation team six weeks to ID him as a possible suspect for the first time. So what Gordon is saying is, yes, it did take new. It was new people. New eyes on the case. And it very well may be that a bunch of people flubbed it, you know, going back several years. Thank you for that, Gordon. Uh, Great comment there. Thank you. I think there was a lot of politics involved. With the case, Rex is a high-profile guy. I think before they moved on him, they wanted to be 100% sure. Uh, it would be interesting to know what kind of uh, political situation we're talking about. Uh, does he know the mayor or something like that? That might be interesting to me, Marty. I think this case is going to be huge when it's all finished. Uh, he probably has friends in high places. Dumb question. How did he kill him? I guess I forgot. Um, strangulation, I think, Deborah. I think. I think uh what are you telling me Shri? Uh got it. I uh, it's because shit. Yeah. All right, sorry. Um join once again if you're out there. Uh that's just a factor of me hitting the wrong button. You were certainly not meant to be banned. I apologize uh, and um if we can undo that, join, uh, we'll tr- certainly try to do that, but I deeply, deeply, uh, apologize to that. I think there was just, uh, a couple messages moving in unison. If you're watching out there, I deeply apologize. It's like I said, new things going on tonight. Want to know if he has a connection to the driver or the party Who's connected to the woman who's attempted escape kicked off this mystery. Yeah, that's a good question. Did, uh, Marty, you are local to that area. Any connection between uh, that you've heard of between Rex and that doctor who, or whoever he was that had that house uh, where the woman showed up and then ran off? Any connection between that that you've heard of, once again, being local? Um, I was thinking the driver had to be in on it, it seems. Okay, Deborah. So uh, one more thing, though, about – this uh, this guy, could he be responsible for any of Unfound's disappearances? Um, you know, of course, we've covered two that might fall into that category, and those being Chelsea Kobo and Cassandra Ramirez. Um, I don't think so. Um it doesn't seem, I don't know if they quite fall in the same demographic. I also, I, you know, I don't know if either of them uh, were prostitutes. I know that I think that both of them might've had a drug problem. In fact, Chelsea Coble on the day that she went missing was going to rehab and then left. Um, but I got to say, I do not think that Rex has anything to do with, with the the disappearance disappearance of Chelsea Cobo and Cassandra Ramirez. So uh, if you were wondering uh, if, you know if that was on your uh, radar. Uh Sarah Smile, we got do we have a uh Oats fan here? Uh, Sarah coming in Sarah Smile, uh Hallen Oats. Um so there you go. All right, so we can keep uh, continue to keep tabs on that. Like I said, I know many of you have been following that for a long time. You know, I've watched a few things on it over the years. I've read on Wikipedia. I know many of you are more schooled on it than I am. I think a lot of people's perception is what was that it would never be solved. And then all of a sudden, they have somebody in custody. Of course, innocent until proven guilty. But... Uh, it's just good to know that they're working on it, and it doesn't seem to me that believing that Rex uh, killed these women is, you know, too far out of the you know possibility. Um, uh, Rockford says, "I never bought law enforcement's conclusion that she got high, ran away, and died in the weeds." Uh, yeah. Okay, right. That's what started this all off. Charlotte, some of the women said one of their clients was rich. Uh, doesn't sound like Rex was rich, but maybe Chelsea did have a drug problem. I just think she was trying to get clean. And people didn't like it. Uh, there you go, Jill. Uh, Sarah says, yes. Uh, Hall and Oates fan there. I thought so, Sarah. All right. I want to move on to now I have to talk about this other um Carly Russell I'm going to read this story. Now you should know that she has been found alive. This is something that happened just since the last live show a week ago. I'm going to read this story. An Alabama woman who went missing after telling a 911 dispatcher that she saw a toddler walking alone on the side of an interstate has returned home. Carlitha Carly, Nicole Russell, 25 years old, had been missing since Thursday night, so four days ago, when she called 911 and told a dispatcher that she saw a child on the side of the interstate, 459 South. After the call, Russell stopped her vehicle to check on the toddler and called a family member who lost contact with her, though the line remained open. When officers arrived at the scene, They found Russell's vehicle and some of her belongings, including her phone, but no sign of her or the child, according to police. At 10.45 p.m. Saturday, the Hoover 911 Center received a call that Russell had returned home. Hoover fire medics responded to the scene to assess Carly and transported her to a local hospital for evaluation. Police also responded to the scene to investigate. It's unclear where Russell had been since Thursday. No further details were provided. Additional information will be provided when it becomes available. The police department is very happy that Russell has returned home safely. We wanted her to come home safe and sound. One will we'll hope that's what happened here. And I couldn't be more excited. I hope the community feels the same way. Police chief Nicholas Dursitz said. The first thing is to give Carly and her family a little time to get themselves back together. I know it's been a tough experience for them. When we think it's time to sit down and have a conversation with Carly and try to get some facts, we'll do that. Good luck doing that. News of Russell's disappearance sparked a frenzied 48-hour search effort across the area. Duraziz said that at times up to 50 or 60 police officers were working on the case. There are times you get overwhelmed. The story kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Hoover, a prominent suburb of Birmingham, is located just south of the city. Uh, I'm going to tell you from the very first second I heard this story, I thought it was fake. And I'm hoping that for all of you who are tuned into this live show tonight, of course, I can't forget the people who will be listening to this as a podcast tomorrow. I'm hoping all of you also uh, were very, uh, had a very critical eye on this and just didn't automatically believe this young woman's story. I'm hoping that uh, listening to as many unfound episodes as you have and listening to me interview people and being very, very specific in my questions and really trying to be, be a critical thinker and trying to get the guests to think critically as well, I'm hoping that your spidey sense went off, that something wasn't right as soon as you heard the story. I mean, really, she's going down a busy highway and and she's the only one that sees a child walking on the side of the road. And it just happened to be that she pulls over to the side of the road. She doesn't mention any other cars or anything. And then she acts like somebody attacks her. Yeah, somebody was using this child as bait. How would somebody even predict that somebody would? I mean, how long are you going to sit there with your with a kid out there waiting for somebody to pull over? And how do you know that the somebody who's going to pull over isn't going to be a police officer or a football team or a bunch of military, a uh, bunch of Marines or something like that? How could you ever guess that it would be a young woman in a car by herself? This is the way you should think about these things. Now, of course, the issue is that if you go to a lot of the coverage on certain YouTube channels, for example, out there, this host totally bought into it hook, line, and sinker. And in the comments section for those channels, you got a, a bunch of people who once again bought into it hook, line, and sinker. Now, why is that? I'll get to that in a, a point in, in a moment. Now, there is a video out there. And, of course, as soon as I saw the video... Um, that even made me more sure of myself that, yeah, this was not any sort of an abduction. Something was going on with this young woman and it had nothing to do with a child that's walking along the side of the road. Um, to describe the video for anybody that hasn't seen it. Um, it's like from the back far away and Carly's car is traveling on the highway away from the camera and it's at night. But even in the video, when she appears in the frame, her car is already on the berm of the road. She's not even in one of the lanes. She's on the side of the road, and she already has her flashers on. And she continues to travel probably somewhere between an eighth of a mile and a quarter of a mile before she stops the car on the side of the road. And so the car stops, and all these trucks and cars are going by her. And the car is sitting there. The flashers are on. What you see in the video is as soon as the car stops, presumably Carly gets out of the car. But you'd think if there was actually a child on the road, she would she would go to the front of the car. Because I, I, I guess that would be the word the child would be. Instead, what does she do? You can see her. She gets out of the driver's side. First of all, when she gets out, she almost walks right into a car passing by. She opens her door. Just as a car is whizzing by, like within feet of her, she gets out, shuts the driver's side door, goes around, and opens the passenger side door. Now, if there's a child running down the berm or in the grass or anything, are you really, is the first thing you're going to do, go over to the passenger side of your car and open the door? Of course not. What's also as obvious, if you're paying attention to the video, is there is no way. She could have seen a child that far in advance. Yes, today, uh, cars, headlights are fairly powerful, a lot more powerful than like 20, 30 years ago. We have LED lights and all that stuff. But headlights do not have the ability to see very well like an eighth of a mile or a quarter of a mile down the road. If you get like a spotlight, like they have on police cars or something, Of course, but you don't use those for headlights because you blind everybody coming in the opposite direction. Headlights are, are 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 good to be up to about the speed that you are driving. The headlights only have to be as powerful as your stopping distance. That's why headlights, for the most part, farther than about 200 to 250 feet in front of the car, they're no good. Because if you're going 70 miles an hour and something pulls out, you know, pops out in front of you 250 feet away, if your brakes are good, you should be able to easily stop in that amount of time or at least slow down to be able to steer around it. That's as good as headlights ever need to be. Headlights never need to be able to see 900 feet in front of you. But in the video, she's already on the side of the road and she continues to travel for about 600, 700, 800 feet. There is no way she could have seen a child on the side of the road while she was on the berm of the road, 800 feet away. No way. Zero way. Not to mention the cars that are passing her as she's on the berm of the road going by her, all those have headlights. There's nothing on the side of the road. Nothing. Nothing. It's obvious that there's just one person in the video Driver gets out, opens the passenger's side door. So it was a big fake. And I had a couple people who, uh, you know, really are not into true crime or anything else, but they, you know, being that this became a big story, hey, Ed, what do you think? I wrote back one word to both of them fake. Fake. now why is it that so many people you know fall for this stuff uh, i'm going to tell you here in a second i'm just going to read um what um everybody is uh saying uh marty's following up on uh, the, the the rex guy the killer a lot of talk but from what i hear no connection from what i heard she was high at the time all over the place remember was he wanted to help her but couldn't um, yeah, um, yeah, I heard, uh, Charles says I heard about the story. Pretty unusual. Yeah. It's unusual Charles because it's fake. Um, Charles says thought it was fake too. Gordon, you had something off from the start. Charles says fishy indeed. Lisa says, I assumed Carly was hallucinating. Uh, Sarah agrees with me. Um, uh, Everything. Hey, there's everything. What's going on? You're on to it, Ed. Hi, by the way, mate. What's going on, everything? Good to see you. Um, I thought it was a mental health issue, especially after seeing the way she was driving on the CCT footage. Maybe drug issue, possibly. Uh, Twinkle loves the song Sarah Smile. Uh, Charlotte, where you can see the video on YouTube. Just do a search for uh, Carly Russell video and you'll find it. Uh, headlights also can't see things that don't exist. Look at you, Mark, making the joke. Mark made a funny. Uh, Tracy also says, yeah, didn't buy it for a second. Paula, lots of traffic for her to be the only one who saw a Shot Can't wait to hear the 911 call. Yeah, I honestly thought I'd seen a smaller figure in what looks like a white diaper hanging that footage. Anything else? Anyone else? Uh, Mary, I watched it. I watched the video 20 times. I didn't see anything. Uh, yeah. Thank you, Cherie, for helping Charlotte out. Mary, I just don't know. I thought the door. She showed a couple figures. Uh, buzz. There's just nothing there. Now I, I, I'm convinced this is all made up, and especially since she came home on her own. And I might have even read somewhere that she was barefoot or something. Um. Uh, Mary says, "I think my eyes were playing tricks on me, though. I guess now. Well, there can be confirmation biases. I." Uh, as it's been mentioned already before, I think tonight in the show, Mary is that you get told something and then the way our minds work, we come sometimes construe facts and everything uh, to make it true. Now, why do people fall for this stuff? First of all, they're afraid not to, they're afraid not to fall for it. You know, it takes real courage I guess, and I'm not trying to slap myself on the, you know, pat myself on the back here, but it takes courage to say, you know what? I think that young woman who's trying to help out that kid on the side of the road, I think she's lying. You know, and even I know that, even though I know I do this and and I know that there are many times with disappearances, uh, where I've had to say, you know, all these these popular theories out there, they're all crap. Uh, maybe even going back to the Colonial Parkway murders with uh, Keith Collin and, and Sandy Haley. You know, so many people believe all of those murders and the disappearances are connected. And Then I come up and say, you know what, I, you know, and there was a popular book that was written about the whole dang thing, trying to connect them all. And then I come out and say, no, nope, it's not true. They're all they're all they're all separate incidents. Um, you know, I'm not really trying to take away the fun of everybody from everyone, but um, it's my job, you know, being that I've been doing this for seven years, it's it's my job to treat these things truthfully. You know, I'm not here for the entertainment, so um, some people just want to believe this stuff, they're, they're afraid. That if they don't go along with the popular story, that well, what kind of bad? You know, how dare you say that a missing young woman is lying? How dare you? Well, having covered three hundred disappearances now, and most of you listening to most of them, we know that guess what? Missing people do go miss, do do lie. Mara Murray did lie. I still want her to be found alive, but Mara Murray lied more than once. Don't care. I still, once again, hope she's found alive. I hope Mara Murray comes home alive tomorrow. You can hope that somebody is alive and well and comes home and still call the person a liar. You can do that. There's nothing wrong with that. But I think too many people get caught up in, well, something bad might have happened here, so I'm going to play it safe and I'm just going to buy into it. Even though... There may be parts in the back, you know, sub subconsciously thinking, you know what, this doesn't seem right. So, you know, how dare you question the word of a woman saving a child? How dare you? Well, sometimes you have to do that. And it gets to the point where facts and comment, you take this too far uh, you know, facts and common sense don't start to matter. You know, and unfortunately, there could then going to be some people out there who start saying, well, you're trying to blame the victim. No, I'm telling you what I think. So why do people fall for this stuff? They're afraid not to. And then a, a, a second reason is the Internet kooks don't help. This is, uh, you know, this is a side effect of too many people like David Politi's who market theories out there that that have no basis in fact. You know, another example is the smiley face killer. Every, you know, a lot of people want to buy into that, but what has it really done? It has really covered up the the problem that we have in the United States is we have just have too many young people drinking and getting drunk, and falling into bodies of water, and drowning. Instead, people will market the kook theory instead. And what does that then cause? It causes people to look away from the real problem. They They create a fake problem because it's entertaining, it gets them attention, it makes people buy their books. And everything else, and what continues to happen, young people continue to get drunk out of their minds and kill themselves. It's disgusting. This is one of the main reasons I hate kooks about all these different theories regarding murders and disappearances and conspiracies and everything else. Because usually all it does is serve to cover up true, real problems that need solutions. And then what eventually comes along is something like this with Carly and too many people have been conditioned to believe that there really, there are people out there waiting on the side of the road with luring, you know, people with kids. This is how we get to this point. Um, Too many in my profession portray the world as if this stuff happens. It doesn't. Once again, facts and common sense don't matter. And the bizarre part of it is that even with this video that is now out there, maybe, you know, I'm not here to pick on you, Mary. But even as the video is out there for everybody to see, for some people, they watch it and the video doesn't. You know, I think watching the video, it absolutely shows that there was no kid on the side of the road. She was by herself. She walked off. She was on the side of the road, driving on the side of the road. There's no way when she pulled off to the side of the road, she could have seen a child on and on and on. But there are many people who watch that video and think, yeah, what she described in the 911 calls, what happened on the video. Whereas I'm looking at the video and I'm seeing something totally different. I continue to believe this is a symptom of too many, once again, in my profession, podcasters, YouTubers who cover true crime and disappearances and everything, exaggerating what goes on out there in the real world, Um, trying to – because they can't make just the real facts – interesting, and engaging for people. They have to make stuff up. I think that's how we get to this point. Of course, I could say that about a lot of different, not just true crime media. I could say that about sports media, political media, Hollywood media, everything. All of it. You know, it's just not one story. It's conditioning over years and years and years and years and years years to the point that, you know, it's like, uh, are you going to trust me or your lying eyes? So I think these are some of the reasons that people fall for this stuff. Um, and that's not helping anything. Uh, let's go up um, and see. Um, Shri um, uh, says it's very hard to see anything in that video. Yeah, uh, by the way, a, a tip for everybody, uh, if you're watching any video like that, don't blow it up, all right? The last thing you want to do if you're watching something on YouTube, it the, the quality of the video is not going to get better if you make it full screen. The quality of the video is going to get worse. The proper thing to do when you're looking at a video like that is to leave it small and get a magnifying glass out. Do not blow it up because it gets pixelated. If you keep it small and use a magnifying glass, that's the way to get a clearer picture. If you really want to zoom in on something, don't blow it up. Use a magnifying glass tip. Um, the video is very hard to see clearly on. Now what you're seeing, that's right. I was skeptical, but I thought I saw something on CCTV. Uh, everything's just, just getting over COVID. Ed. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Uh, Mary says, yeah, Ed, uh, heavy drinking actually scares me. It does me, too. That's why I'm non-drinker, Mary. Always will be. Uh, I saw a video that she claimed she disappeared in 2008. Planned. Uh, who are you talking about, Grace? Uh, may have need to explain that. Uh, Mary, ha-ha, eyes can totally play tricks, uh, meaning mine. Rockford. The look theory: sell. They cover up done behavior and also distract from these cases that are more complex. Christopher Jenkins, Kyle Fleischman, Jason Wolkowski. Pedroń Koski, absolutely true. And what was really funny uh, to go on about this, and I sent this to my assistants today, is when the when the um, when the acquittal of Michael Turney happened today. There is a well-known guy whose name we did not mention in the Mara Murray uh, episode, double episode, I guess, who actually had the gall. To go onto Twitter and say, see, this is what happens when web sleuthing and such gets out of control. This should teach anybody a lesson. And this is coming from the guy who has sensationalized Mara Murray's disappearance more than everybody else put together. And he's saying this is how the, you know, the acquittal of Mike Attorney shows how, uh, you know, sleuthers, online tr- sleuths and everything else don't know what they're doing. I mean, you talk about the hutzpah, and I'm not even Jewish. I mean that happened today and i I made that I copied it and sent it to my my assistant. I just could not believe it uh grace uh, God bless you oh thank you, uh Grace. I certainly would like to hear what you're talking about from two thousand eight. Didn't somebody actually see someone at her car? I don't know Facebook uh good night, Charlotte. good seeing ya Grace. Thank you so much for the contribution. You're very generous there. Thank you. Uh, Thank you, Um, Carly. uh, Carly went missing. I don't think she's only 25, Grace. So 15 years ago, she went missing. So she was 10. That's news to me. Wow. Okay. I hope this girl's held responsible for this. uh, Not good. I guess she did it before the channel. I saw it. It was on Silk Road. She went missing, and it was planned 15 years ago when she was 10. Once again, I, I have to start wondering about things. You know, she 10-year-old ran away? I, I, don't I don't know. Um. Okay. So I think she was lying. I don't know what she's going through in her life. Uh, you know, if she has mental health issues, I hope she gets it. Um, you know, this could, this, I guess this could have almost been a Sherry Papini situation all over again, but maybe she just wanted the attention. Like some people who, uh, you know, try to commit suicide, but don't, it's really a cry for help. Maybe that's what she was trying to do here. Uh, but I hope she gets the bill for all this police officers who went out there and looked for her. My guess is she was probably at some guy's house. I bet. That's my guess. Uh, the guy you referenced is absolutely shameless and descending into self-parody. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're right, Rockford. That's not mentioned. We should not, shall not mention his name here. He is the is name that shall not be mentioned because we don't want to give him any attention. But Rockford, you're right. That's a great way to put it. He is sh- shameless to the point of self-parody. Absolutely. Um, and he says he did do a comedy club tour that's funny alright one more thing um, I just want to talk about sex trafficking for just a moment of course it's uh big in the news because there is this movie out called Sound of Freedom it's about sex trafficking uh, not in necessarily in the United States I've not seen the movie I'm not going to see the movie simply because I have enough realism in my life as it is You know, with the job that I do with Disappearances, I don't need to see a movie that obviously, um, you know, can be depressing and everything else. I I do enough depressing stuff on a daily basis talking to people who have had their lives shattered. But as I was seeing, the reason I want to talk about this for a moment is because a friend of mine who's not into true crime at all, you know, brought this up to me. And, you know, I gave him a long, 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 long thing about sex trafficking. I think all of you have to realize does sex trafficking happen? Yes. But you also have to realize, and I actually went and looked at this. I went to Namus. I realized that Namus is not a uh, you know, it's not the full database of all the missing people in the United States. Maybe one day it will be. That's like twenty three thousand some people on there whereas I'm guessing that the number is closer to 100,000 unsolved disappearances. But you should know, I did a search for missing children under there 10 and under. So 10 years old and under, doesn't matter what gender. There are 849 of them, okay, in the United States. Of course, NamUs only covers the United States and its territory, I think, United States and its territories too. So there are 849, according to NamUs, children 10 and under whose disappearances are unsolved as of today. Do you know how many children under the age of 10 there are in the United States as of today in 2023? About 48 million. There are 48 million children, ten and under, in the United States, and I know that every one of them is a tragedy. But only 849 have gone missing, are still missing, or are still missing unsolved disappearances since the paperwork started for disappearances. That the best we can place we can go is nameless. If you're wondering about the odds of that. That means it's 1 in 57,000. So 1 in 57,000 children 10 and under will go missing on average. All of them are terrible. I, I wish none of these 849 kids went missing. But... I think this shows that at least when it comes to American children, certainly some of those missing kids could have been trafficked. But when you put it in those terms, how big is the issue? I certainly want it solved. I'm not poo-pooing it, but it helps to look at the numbers. We do not have what you would call a huge sex trafficking of children problem in the United States. Do we have a child abuse problem? Yes. But guess who's doing that? The children's parents. These kids who are getting abused, the much bigger problem we have in the United States is all the kids who haven't gone missing, but who have been abused by their parents, by priests, by Boy Scout leaders, by coaches and everything else. That is the big issue in the United States. Now, when it comes to other countries, here's something that we as Americans maybe don't realize. We start talking about sex trafficking of children in other countries. A lot of these kids were sold away by their parents. It's all, it's, it sucks. Horrible. Horrible, 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 horrible. But what I'm also saying is that these children are not being stolen. They're being sold. And so when we as Americans, we go to this, see this movie, it sounds horrible. It certainly is. But I don't know what we can do about it as Americans when parents in other countries outside of our jurisdiction are selling their kids away. I don't know what kind of responsibility we have that certainly have a responsibility if some of these kids are making to the United States, certainly, other than that you know i don't I don't know what we can do about it. It's certainly horrible. we wish you could fix it and everything, but so I just want all of you to keep that in mind um. Regarding that, I, I'm kind of running out of time here. Maybe I'll touch upon that more next week. But that's kind of the, you know, to put this on perspective is that this is why I'm like, you know, once again, I'm not an advocate or, you know, something like that. Because advocates for sex trafficking or any other topic out there are more than happy to distort the facts. They're more than happy to put anything under the title of sex trafficking, of a grown woman decides she wants to be a prostitute. And go out in the street and or put an ad on Craigslist or wherever else saying, you know what, I'll do this to you for this amount of money. That's not sex trafficking. Whereas my impression is a lot of people will put that type of situation, sex trafficking, once again, to boost the numbers. To me, that's not sex trafficking. And in all of the disappearances that we've covered. Really, we only have one that could be connected to sex trafficking. 300 disappearances one. Of course, it's Jessie Foster. But even with that one, I'm not sure she went missing because of the sex trafficking. I think she went missing because her sister was coming down from Canada to see her in Vegas. And uh, Jessie Foster's pimp was wondering about what was going to happen when the sister got there and figured out what was going on. That's what I think happened. So there's that. I'm going to read everybody's uh, messages, and then I'm going to go to this Friday's disappearance. Uh, Real got a text message in Australia about a missing person. When we hosted the Super Bowl years ago, I worked at the airport, and all employees had to take a class to identify human trafficking. We called it hooker training. You hardly ever get a message regarding Carly if she was really – Kidnap law enforcement was screaming about the details. Their silence says a lot to me, says three. Um, uh, Mary says she's excitable, though, hence all the exclamation points. You and Elaine Bennis, remember that Seinfeld? Elaine Bennis like to use the exclamation points, Mary. Uh the problem with parents hurting their own kids. Yeah. You want to start looking about child looking at child problems, not just in the United States, but everywhere. The first issue you have to start with is the parents. Not with strangers combing. I mean, does it happen? Yeah, kids get, you know, uh, Jacob Wetterling got kidnapped by a stranger. It happens. But that is the exception. The rule is parents making their own kids disappear. Parents, and I'm nothing embarrassing. Of course, I have a father I love dearly. I love my mother dearly. She's deceased. I love her dearly. Great parents. But Parents are the cause of most of their children's problems. Uh, The problem with trying to unravel child's disappearance is that one can usually find problems at home, and then your unreliable narrator witness there, that's, uh, yeah, that's why I try to avoid it for the most part, Rockford. Deborah's leaving. All right, Deborah, thank you for joining me tonight. And on that, let's move to this Friday. Uh, We're actually going in the opposite direction of children this Friday. We're going to an 87-year-old. Betty Tepfer, T-O-E-P-F-E-R. Betty Tepfer from Riverside, California. We've gone there before. You might remember Ashley Kohler. Betty Tepfer was 87. She was living with her grown son. She got on the bus in Harupa Valley Road. This short Took this short trip to downtown Riverside on April 8th, 2015. There's a video of her getting off the bus. She was never seen again. She will be by age the oldest person we've ever covered on Unfound. 87 years old. I think the previous record was 83 years old, but 87 years old. Unfortunately, there was no video in downtown Riverside that could help investigators. Also, unfortunately, is right after she went missing, the son that was living with her went missing for a short time as well. Uh, And of course, then later came back but um, then did not assist in trying to find his mother at all. But the problem is there's no proof that he was in downtown Riverside to pick her up or that she ever made it home that day. So, and uh, uh, Betty's granddaughter, Mary, will be the guest. Once again, Barry Tepfer, T-O-E-P-F-E-R, Riverside, California, April 8th, 2015. Uh, Granddaughter Mary is the guest and this is the oldest person, uh, missing person we've ever featured on Unfound. 87 years old when she went missing in 2015. That is it. The first Unfound Live using StreamYard. I hope everybody uh, found it engaging. And um, why well, say I love it? No, I'm not a stalker, Sharon. Oh, Sharon, uh, I missed that, that comment. Uh, thank you, Sharon. I appreciate that. But that is the first show with StreamYard. Thank you all so much. If you haven't given this video a thumbs up, please do. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel. Get involved with the page, the discussion group, all of that. And you will hear me on Friday for the disappearance of Betty Tupp. For thank you all uh, for taking part in this new era of the live show. Good night, and uh, yeah, Charlie. Please say uh, hi to the boys for me. Thank you so much. Great comments tonight. Great questions. Great conversation. Spectacular. Everybody, stay safe out there. Heads on swivels. Remember that.